Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So if you're driving to work, tied in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast. Today we are talking ice or heat. Rob Bevan and myself, Dave Elliott, have a chat through our personal and clinical preferences for ice or heat when looking at injuries, specifically, of course, for low back pain. Now, I'll tell you what, it's quite a tricky one, this one, guys, because you've got personal preference, so what do you feel? You may have been told ice, but you feel that heat works much better for you or vice versa. You've got practitioner preference. So what is your chiro, osteo, physio, uh, consultant, surgeon? What have they told you to do with that injured area, ice, heat, rest, etc.? And then, of course, you've got the scientific data. Now, the scientific data comes out regularly. Sometimes it says one thing, sometimes it says another. Which one should you listen to? And of course, then you've got uh, changes in the data itself. A lot of the data currently is for things like ankle sprains. Can we um, uh, look at this and say the same will happen for the lower back? I think we do a good job of discussing this through the podcast. Hopefully, this helps to allay some fears um, and give you a little bit more information. Ice or heat is the age-old question. Have a little listen for let us know what you think keep hitting us up on social media Uh, we're loving the questions at the moment and of course check out our support group all right guys enjoy ice or heat with rob bevan dave elliott hi guys welcome to the back pain podcast i'm joined by my co-host rob bevan this afternoon hello rob hello dave how you doing yeah, I'm um, very well, thank you, mate. Today, guys, we've got a treat in store for you. This is one of the questions we get asked every day, at least once a shift. Um, most new patients in through the door. And I, do you know what? It's one of the ones we get asked so often and we see popping up on the support group as well, on the Facebook group. It's the biggie, guys. <clears throat> should I use ice or should I use heat for my back pain? I'm excited about this one, Rob. Yeah, it's some, as he said, it's something we get asked all the time. Um, there's a lot of false information that people think that one thing's doing compared to the other thing's doing. And it can kind of be boiled down into, uh, you know, pretty simply, really. So why don't we go over, you know, should we take it from the top? You know, someone comes in to see you and they've just hurt their back, you know, yesterday, today, whatever it is, and they're in acute agony. Um, you know, the, the worst type of patient who is lying down in your waiting room and the one you feel really most sorry for. Um and they say, cool, I'm going to get home today. Should I use ice or should I pop some heat on it? What would you recommend? Now, for me, I'm having researched this podcast, perhaps using rather an outdated model. However, for patients that I see, I tend to recommend ice if it's more of an inflammatory or joint um uh, irritation, so like your classic facet joint sprain, that's like a, a movement and you get that sudden um, uh, click, crunch, pop sensation and your back goes. People say, you know, my back when I was bending over, lifting something heavy. If it feels mostly joint-wise with some basic muscular gardening, uh, guarding, I ask patients to use ice. I tell them 10 minutes at a time, not longer than that. Otherwise, you're going to end up freezing yourself. I find that really effective from a personal and from a clinical point of view um, for keeping pain levels down 
and for improving some early mobility just in that localized area. I don't want them in an ice bath. I don't want them um, uh, jumping into the freezer, but we want some localized uh, cooling, if you like, of that acute pain. Um, if it's more muscular, so if it feels like a spasm, if they're all locked up and uh, it seems like it's the majority of that irritation is muscular, I'll often get them to use heat. And here's the really fun part, Rob. I tell them, try both. See which one works for you. Some come back, say, I use a bit of ice, then a bit of heat, a bit of ice, a bit of heat. That seems to do really well. Just one of them didn't work. Some come back and I think they should have used ice, but they've used heat and that works better. Sometimes it's the other way around. Um, so I'm, I'm not too strict, I've got to say. I do kind of leave it up to them. This is what I'd recommend. But I always say try them both. See which one works for you. How about yourself, Rob? Yeah, pretty similar. Initially, I always used to use tell people to use ice. Um, you know, mm -hmm. in our heads that... You've, you've irritated something in the, you know, we're talking about that acute phase, you know, the, this is the first couple of days or first couple of hours after an injury. I'd always tell people to use ice in my head. And this is, you know, we're going to come on to this in, in a little while. Um, it kind of reduced inflammation, which was responsible for causing the pain and, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, so that was all, always my, my kind of go-to. But then when I started recommending ice, people would always be kind of, oh, but that's really cold. And, you know, I, you know, I, for myself, when I have an injury, ice kind of makes it go really seized up and all, all, all a bit stiff. So I then kind of switched a little bit, which is what I'd use for the more kind of chronic long-term pains. I always tell people to use heat, um, which is, you know, in the hot shower or a hot bath or a hot water bottle, those type of things. So then I started using that for, or recommending that, I should say, for the acute injuries. And actually, I personally have found that people prefer that. A, it's less of a shock um, in, in terms of putting ice on the skin. <laughs> Uh, but B, it, it feels quite nice. However, I would always argue that if someone's telling me or initially coming in, they say, yeah, I'm in loads of pain, but if I ice it and it helps it, by all means, I'm not going to tell them to stop doing that. I might say try a bit of heat as well, but, you know, put some, uh, you know, it, it, there's no downside to that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So they're not going to hurt themselves. They're not going to create a negative effect by using the, the wrong one, the opposite of what we think. No, um, this is where the literature kind of, you know, when we look at the evidence for it, changes slightly. So there is some mm. evidence, you know, we always said, we were, as we said, we always wanted to reduce inflammation, thinking the ice was kind of, you know, yeah, calming everything down. But now actually, you know, we're looking at the new evidence that's coming out. It's saying that ice is quite analgesic, so it helps reduce the pain. Although there's actually very little evidence that it actually improves the treatment of kind of soft tissue injuries, kind of muscle injuries and stuff like that as well. And actually long-term, it can disrupt inflammation and stop kind of what we call revascularization, which is that, you know, new blood new blood flow kind of going through an injured area. And in long-term, it may actually delay healing. Um, mm. And that's kind of fairly recent evidence. Um, so that kind of backs that up. So potentially, you know, it, it's not clear-cut, but there's potentially some reasoning that's saying long-term, you know, it, it might delay healing however that's a big might so i think that if someone's doing everything else that's good and doing everything else that we're going to go over in a moment to help an acute injury that it's not necessarily a bad thing and if, if especially if that's helping them you know have at it absolutely i think we've got to be pragmatic about it especially if you're in an acute inflammatory stage of your your uh, back pain if it's just happened uh, having looked at the the evidence for this the the realistic change in any down the line healing 
is quite minimal comparative to not being able to get off the sofa for two days because you're in so much pain or, or complete basic tasks. You, you've got to look at that as a, um, uh, as a whole picture. If I use some ice in the short term now, and it allows me to create more movement because remember, because uh, we'll go through these rules later because um, we do have to have some gentle movement and we have to complete activities of daily living. We have to be humans as well sometimes. Um, is that early movement going to offset or outweigh that possible decrease in pain later? So it's um, it's a really difficult one. No, no, I, I, I'm, I, I totally agree with that. Sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. I had a really good point on that and I <laughs> completely lost, lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, I know exactly what it was. It was going to say that obviously the back is slightly different to other, other body parts. You know, if you sprain an ankle, you know, those injured structures are very, very close to the surface. You know, if you irritate your back, whatever the method of that, you know, the, the majority of structures which, you know, have potential to cause pain in the back are very deep to the back. Yeah, there's some muscles overlying it, but when we're looking at discs and, and facet joints and, you know, nerves and all the other things kind of in the lower back, they're a good inch beneath the surface, especially, in, and even more so if someone's a bit larger or, you know, quite muscular in nature, you know, they're a good inch. So I guess there's always an argument as well as about how much both heat and ice are actually penetrating that area. Um, you know, that's another another uh, you know cause up for debate really um you know it's, it's it's pretty deep but then having something over that area it's like when you're touching you know you're providing all that good stimulus and that good feedback to the brain you know a bit like when you rub your shin after you've bashed it you know it's just providing that novel input and that new stimulus to that injured area isn't it Absolutely. Is that freezing, heating, or just changing of temperature in that local area enough to trick your brain to, to switch those neurons firing for a few minutes to allow you to get, to get up to put the kettle on, answer the door, take the kids to school? Um, yeah, I can say this. Um, as someone who recently under um, uh, had a bit of a flare-up of an old back injury, um, had a bit of a flare-up after trying to uh, single-handedly fill a skip, uh, lots of shoveling, lots of digging, lots of uh, very inappropriate movement for someone who should know better. Um, I was able to uh, use ice and heat in varying degrees in order to go through these activities that I had to do. I had to go to work. Uh, a bit of ice beforehand really helped. Um, I had to come uh, come back and uh, look after the baby. A bit of heat for that really helped, actually. Uh, it, it was strange what helped at what point in the day. Uh, no help to anyone at home. I know who, if you're listening, thinking, well, which one's the right one? Um, I suppose what I'm trying to say is whichever one works for you at the time, there's not a hard and fast answer. You don't have to be team ice or team heat. No, e exactly. And looking back at where ice came from, um, it's a bit of a, an interesting one. No one really knows exactly where this kind of idea of ice came from. One theory I read was that it started kind of in from America, in the American football type setting or side of the pitch type setting in the acute ankle sprains and they didn't know what to do to get these players back on the pitch quick enough so they used to dunk their ankles in the bucket of ice Gatorade that they had on the side so someone sprained an ankle on the pitch they would just yeah, wheel them off stick their foot in a bucket for <laughs> of, of, of ice Gatorade for a while and that idea being that that would numb it enough just to get back on the pitch and you know the ethics of that are a different question but I think that's kind of where it stemmed from and I think that was about seven, seven 1970s or something like that as well um, you know whether you know I think it's just, I think that's kind of where I read. And then that developed into what a lot of people will be familiar with is rice. Um, whenever you have an acute injury, you know, and this is a bit more relevant to kind of 
you know, peripheral body parts, knees and hips and ankles and wrists and knees mm. and shoulders, wrists and elbows and shoulders, as opposed to lower back, which is a bit, a little bit, a little bit different. Um, yeah, it, it used to call it rice, which was rest, ice, compression, elevation. So we used to, you know, sprain your ankle, you'd rest it, you put some ice on it, you compress it with a bandage and elevate it. You'd kind of lift it up. And that's kind of morphed in the last year till a paper came out in 2019, um, which was about peace and love. So rather than rice, it said use peace and love in soft tissue injuries. So Dave, I know you've you've come across this. Do you want to take us through the first part of that and what you know how people can use peace and love to help heal from a from an injury? Peace and love, man. Absolutely. Okay, so we've got the word peace. P standing for protect. Uh, so this is a restriction or an unloading of certain movements. The idea is to reduce further injury. So I mean, this one goes almost without saying however let's say it just in case um you want to stop that aggravating injury you want to reduce the risk of making it any worse um and prevent any any further injury to the fibers of that local area um so once you've created pain you want to stop doing whatever it is that created it essentially and then you want to deload or decrease the stress going through that area i was going to say so that doesn't mean you know wrapping yourself up in cotton wool and don't do anything but maybe you know for two days don't go and play rugby you know well you know if, if you've got an acute back injury you know if you want to yeah you know, i was gonna say it's a diff- different question but you know in that short term you know just to deload it a bit carry on with the normal activities do your appropriate movement exercises but maybe it's okay just to relatively you know calm everything down for a bit with a bit of relative rest absolutely um e stands for elevate so that is uh, elevate the injured limb higher than the heart uh Again, for lower back pain sufferers, this is very difficult. You can't elevate your back. Um, well, you could, but a handstand wouldn't really be appropriate for people in acute back pain. I would not pain. advise handstands. That's it, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I do remember this is for um, acute injuries of the um, uh, of the extremities. Uh, so some of this will will be able to work back towards uh, working well with your, with your back. Some of it will be slightly less um, appropriate, shall we say. So elevate if you can. A, out of your piece, stands for avoid anti-inflammatory modalities. So here's where it gets interesting and here's where the that, that usage of early, early icing becomes um, uh, comes up. So it says that for optimal soft tissue regeneration, uh, it's supported by various phases of the inflammatory process. That's a nice way of saying inflammation is actually quite good. It's your body's natural way of healing, pushing all of the building blocks to the area that needs it, i.e. where you've strained, pulled, uh, or twisted, or, or, or done whatever. Where your injury hurt. is, needs some new building blocks. Where you've hurt. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I was, I was desperately looking for words there. Um, obviously, uh, an an excess of inflammation is when we start to get an increase in pain. However, in the early stages, inflammation is a good thing to a point. So using of uh, the use of ice uh, is something that would technically decrease inflammation. Therefore, early use of ice should theoretically decrease your early doors healing. Same can happen for um, uh, use of NZ. So that's non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, things like ibuprofen. Uh, so this is a, um, a supplementary anti-inflammatory, uh, which may decrease your early stage healing. So your body's not dumping all of the building blocks it needs to help heal that hurty bit. Does that sound about right, Rob? 
Perfect. I love the the, the phrase "hurty," but that's the the biggest takeaway for me from today. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Uh, you don't want to stop inflammation completely. It's actually quite a good thing. Again, this is for acute injuries. So if you are taking anti-inflammatories or you've been um, uh, prescribed anti-inflammatories by GP, by, by consultant or um, uh, by pharmacist for a consistent or what we call a chronic long-term injury, do not worry. These are different comparative to these. Um, this advice for short-term um, uh acute injuries c out of our piece c stands for compress now again most of the research for um uh, for this paper has come from things like ankle injuries so our extremity injuries or sprains so a compression um is aimed at decreasing intra-articular edema this is essentially swelling in the surrounding tissues now, I know that I just said swelling or inflammation was good, but this is an increase in swelling in the actual joint itself and in the tissues that surround it. For your low back, it's very hard to compress. I would not suggest uh, <laughs> compression belts or wrapping yourself in cling film. If it's for back pain, I think we can com uh, leave that compress out. If anyone wants to uh, correct us on that, please do come on the podcast and chat to us. Finally, we've got educate. Fantastic. So uh, E out of peace is educate. So this speaks to the um, duty of the care provider, physiotherapist, chiropractor, osteopath, uh, a doctor to educate your patient to gradually increase their um, uh, their loading over time to make sure that they're, they're not waiting for a passive approach. It says that early passive therapy um, has a minimal effect on actual end pain and function. This means that if you have sprained your ankle, you don't need that day probably to go and see someone and get them to wiggle it around, dig their thumbs in and um, uh, get it moving again. Let your body's natural healing processes take over. So as we're talking about education, uh, Rob, what's your favorite terms for educating patients? So the biggest thing that I will always kind of cover very early on in when someone's had an injury is that hurt doesn't equal harm. And that's a big thing for most people who, especially when they're in loads of pain, people think that because they're in loads of pain, it must be a severe injury. Whereas we know that pain does not correlate with damage. And that's, you know, a big takeaway for, for this episode, that severe pain does not mean you've got a severe injury. Things can hurt, you know, horrifically and you haven't done you know, any damage at all and vice versa. You know, you can have huge, which we I know we've covered this before on the podcast, on the MRI episodes and all sorts of things. You can have, you know, horrible looking scans and things which, uh, you know, look like there's a whole heap of damage with no pain at all. So there are so many other factors, you know, in terms of pain than, ne than, than necessarily just this particular injury at, at, at this time. So that's the, the biggest takeaway from me, really, that I will, I will really try and enforce. And if they don't listen to anything else I've said during that first episode, which is pretty common when someone's in a lot of pain, because pain is, is very, very distracting, it is that, you know, and obviously, if this is appropriate, it is, you know, just because it's so painful, it doesn't mean you, you, you've done any ser serious damage. Mm. I like that. Pain is a mechanism of the body. It's a warning system. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't dictate the level of your damage. I like that, Rob. No, exactly. Hurt doesn't give harm. Um, okay, Rob, take us through it. Um, that is peace. What's a love? Oh, love. Oh, it's a good one. Um, so, yeah, so the quote from that paper, yeah, was after the first days have passed, your tissues need love. Um, 
So L stands for load. So patients with kind of musculoskeletal or MSK disorders benefit from a, a of, a, of an active approach, and we know that, and we've discussed this a lot on the episode that movement and gradual loading or gradual imp- gradual increase in load and exercise and tissue movement is the best way to help patients to heal. So the advice around this is getting people to return to their normal activities as soon as possible and avoid bed rest, avoid, you know, complete periods of inactivity, but don't push through pain. So just because we're telling you to go through your normal activities, that doesn't mean, you know, if you're in agony after a minute of washing up, that doesn't mean carry on, you know, doing that. Or if you're trying to mow the lawn, doesn't mean force yourself to do it. It's okay just to chill out for the first few days. We're talking about optimal loading, gradually over the period of a few days weeks months depending on the on the person mm. and that load kind of promotes that increased vascularization improves that blood flow and promotes that repair and remodeling and those building blocks that dave spoke about and then that's it improves your own capacity for improving and improves your capacity for movement and stretching and exercise and over time your brain just goes oh actually it's okay to move like this and it will just slowly become less and less painful when you're doing a certain movement so that's l load O is for um, optimism. So optimism is just about the psychological factors associated with injury. Um, And often when you have an injury, this can bring on all sorts of thoughts from depression, fear, anxiety, what we call catastrophizing, where people think it's, you know, the worst thing's ever happened to them. And often it can feel that way when you've had an injury. And this might mean that people have missed out on that sporting event or that holiday, or they can't go on that flight, or there's so many factors, you know, at play um, here when people have an injury. So keeping optim um uh keeping uh very positive optimistic. around this oh, optimistic that's exactly what i'm looking for keeping <laughs> keeping optimistic around this and knowing things such as the vast vast majority of soft tissue injuries will heal you know by themselves at the end of the day you know within 6 weeks the vast majority of these things will be significantly better and that goes with with, with the vast majority of soft tissue injuries obviously obviously there are a few more that uh you know can take a bit longer and need some further intervention but the majority will be better. Very few people end up w- with your long-term injuries. Was it? I think eighty-three percent of people will have a back pain throughout their life. Just because you have a back problem, that does not mean it's going to be a long-term issue. You know, there's all these mm-hmm. myths that you know my dad had back pain, so oh now I've got back pain, I'm always going to have it. No, the, this is not going to be the case. My back pain is common. It is normal. It's normal to have a bit. It will get better in the vast, vast majority of cases. Um, v for vascularization. So that's what we spoke about again previously before, which is what one thing which ice reduces is that need for the vascularization. Vascularization means inc- imp- in increasing blood flow. And a large part of this comes around through movement. So we just said before that we're trying to avoid bed rest and cracking on with our normal activity, dailies of activity, act- activities of daily living wherever possible. Um, but this just means early movement. So early mobilization for an injury is really important. For anyone that's listening that's had a joint replacement will be acutely aware of this because previously we used to replace hips and knees and people were on bed rest, bed rest for a week or week or two. But now we know that, you know, you have a new hip and you're walking on it within a, within a couple of hours of, of the operation with the physios and the OTs in the hospital. So pretty early on, you're going to be you've been testing it out because we know now that the huge benefits to early mobilization. So my advice for anyone with these acute back strains or back injuries is get moving, you know, get out of bed, which we just said before, you know, we know doesn't help, but go for a walk. You know, one of the exercises I give a lot to people is if you stand hands on the wall 
Um, you know that kind of is you're being patted down by a by a, by a police officer. Um, you assume position. the position. Yeah. You assume, assume the position, um, and just march on the spot. So if walking is too sore or you're bent over double because it's too sore, just put your hands on 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 the on a worktop or hands on the wall and just march up and down. Lift your knees towards your chest as far as you can. Swing them side to side. Swing them back and forward. And that can be one leg at a time, two leg at a time. But if walking is too sore, then that's just a it's a fifty percent of walking. So you're just getting those hips. Hips moving, getting the spine moving, have a wiggle. And then, as we always say, avoiding sitting for long periods. Get up, stretch, exercise, move. Think 10 minutes of sitting and then change positions. That's going to be the key. You know, there's no perfect position to sit in for hours on end. Just move, change, change that position. Similar to advice to what you would give, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I love the march on the spot because you're not out in the world. If you go out for a five minute walk, you get out two and a half minutes and you've got pain. You still got two and a half minutes to come back. Um, So that march on the spot, you can create movement without having to um, uh, worry about your, your way home. Yeah, exactly. And then what, what letter we want to, we went to. Oh, so we need uh, E. We got the last one left. E. The last one left is E for exercise, which we know is the most important thing you can do for back pain. So full stop, the best thing that you can possibly do to help get rid of your back pain, whether that's acute or whether that's chronic, is exercise. And if you want to know which is the best exercise, you can go back to our previous episode titled, "Which What is the best exercise for lower back pain? But we know that, yeah, evidence really supports the use of exercise in the treatment of of, of any injury. This improves that mobility. It helps improve the strength. It restores proprioception and, and movement and load capacity and tolerance to the body. So exercise is so, so important. So, you know, what exercise is the best? It's very individual. There's no wrong exercise. There's no perfect exercise. It's going to be what's right for you at the time. So some people, for some people that might be squats and deadlifts. For some people that may, might be Pilates and bridges and, and you know, going back to kind of earlier earlier exercises. For some people, it might be marching on the spot. For some people, it might be walking. There isn't one. It's just going to be whatever you can do. And hopefully, you know, if you're seeing someone who is helping you through your injury or through your recovery, they are promoting exercise. They're promoting the benefits of this. They're giving you early exercise. They're not telling you you need to wait some time before doing exercise. You know, we should be promoting early exercise and early movement with a lot of these, or if not all, you know, 99.9% of these of these injuries. Absolutely. And I, I really like this uh, love um, uh, part of it because it, it's really, you can switch. Uh, <clears throat> I really enjoy this love because you can actually relate it straight to back pain. Whereas it's um, with the peace part, we have to kind of pick it apart to relate it to people who are suffering with back pain to uh, to load continually or gradually uh, to stay optimistic um, uh, to get that vascularization and to exercise that's directly applicable to people sitting at home with back pain it's also really important with chronic cases too so it's not just um, uh, the acute people who've just had a spasm a sprain um, uh, who have pain in the last 24 to 48 hours this works for people who have pain for months and years as well Um, uh, we need to be gradually increasing that exercise and that load and that movement pattern making sure we've got good vascularization and remaining optimistic Um, yeah this is super important for anyone listening doesn't matter how long you've had back pain for or where your pain is uh these are really important things no that, it, it, exactly and i think that um you know it's a nice way to round up you know it's staying positive it's you know 
st- staying positive around your injury and knowing that these things do get better. Hurt doesn't equal harm. Carry on with your exercises, early movement. You know, those are the key takeaways really, I think, from today. Absolutely. It's... Um, it's really tough because the uh, research is obviously changing uh, quite often. Every time there's a new paper out, uh, it, it seems to say something different. So I think remain optimistic that your favorite way of icing, heating your back uh, is, is still applicable for you. If you feel it works, it works. Yeah. And I guess the only thing from this that we know that doesn't work is long-term bed rest absolutely get up get moving yeah fantastic fantastic Uh, uh, before we go uh, so look uh, one of the main things we have to do is is create that vascularization maintain nice and uh so so he can help with that one thing i get asked a lot is how should i heat so should it be a warm bath should it be um uh, a hot water bottle uh what those wheat bag things as well um should it be whole body or should it be localized in that area what do you tell your patients I think as long as it's proper heat, then that's fine. So, and that, what I mean by that is we're trying to change, we're trying to improve the temperature of those muscles. So that means a hot water bottle, that could be a bath, that could be a shower. I generally recommend a shower over a bath because you can move in the shower and people get in a bath. It feels really nice. They lie there for an hour and then they struggle to get out again. And I know quite a few people that that's happened to. Yep. Um, so I often advocate the shower and then you can do that, you know, standing, marching on the spot exercise that we just spoke about. In the shower, you can bend to the left, bend to the right. But yeah, some proper heat. And I mean that as opposed to like the spray on heats. Um, you know, the like deep, deep heat, heat or, or the tiger like balm, yeah. those type of things. Although, as I said, if those are helping, by all means, there's no downside to them. But, you know, we're trying to improve that that movement. The, what do you call it? Moist heat. So that's going to make some people cringe. But uh, yeah, moist heat. Moist heat. Okay, fantastic. So like hot water bottle, shower, because you can yeah. maintain movement rather than, uh, yeah, I must say the amount of people we see who have uh, got stuck in the bath and either had to wait for help um, or it's taken them even longer to get out and they feel worse because it's essentially a rest. It's a, a static position for too long. Yeah, yeah. Shower is king. Yeah, no, perfect. Fantastic, Rob. Thank you. No worries. Thanks very much, Dave. No problems at all, mate. Always good to speak to you. So ice or heat, which one should I use? Which one will help? Thank you, Rob. No worries. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I've been uh, I've been Rob. You've been Dave. We've been the Back Pain Podcast. Thank you ever so much for joining us, and we will catch you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.